0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. I am your host, Jason Day, and I had the opportunity to connect with David Curry this week. David is the president and CEO of Open Doors. Open Doors works in the most oppressive regions across the world, encouraging, empowering, and equipping persecuted Christians. They provide regular updates on Christian persecution and also offer resources to both raise awareness and engage action around the tremendous challenges facing the persecuted church. On this week's episode, David and I discuss the current state of Christian persecution, and David reveals some of the reasons behind the increased persecution that we are seeing today. David also helps us with a proper perspective of some of the pressure Christians experience in the U.S. and how that contrasts to persecution in other countries. David shares ideas and resources that churches can use to enter more deeply in both conversation and action around our persecuted brothers and sisters. So now I invite you to join me in my conversation with David Curry. David, so happy to have you with us. Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. Thank you so much. It's it's a pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Excellent, uh, David. Um, you are the president and CEO of Open Doors USA, um, a ministry organization which, for me personally, over the years of ministry, I've I've definitely appreciated. I I know that you guys, for I think it's over six decades now, have been really um, working and in, in helping, support, encourage, and equip. Uh, Christians uh, around the world, specifically those who are facing persecution, and um, and it's one of those uh, topics that is is so vitally important to us as the church, um, but oftentimes, depending on what part of the world we happen to live, it might not be a topic that um, we discuss as, as often as perhaps we should. And one of the things that I'd really like to, to hear from you, since you are on the um, you know, front lines of all things when it comes to the persecuted church and persecuted Christians around the world, is to just kind of get a, a, a sense for what is happening in our world today, right? We're, what really is the state of, of persecution of the church, persecution of Christ followers around the world? And, and I understand that... Um, Things are changing. Um, persecution is increasing in many ways. In fact, I was just um, at the White House for a faith briefing um, a little over a week ago, and Ambassador Brownback was sharing, you know, many of the things that are are starting to bubble to the surface, and um, it was quite surprising some of those things. And I was wondering, David, if you could just kind of share with us initially just what does what does persecution. For Christ followers look like today in our world?
1: Well, it's it's a great question. It's a good place to start. Um, right now we are seeing and have for the last, let's say, five years seen the most dramatic spike in persecution of Christians, mm. people who are suffering for their faith, than we've seen in, in the modern era. It's very difficult, of course, to compare eras because you had fewer people, perhaps, than you do now uh, in, in sheer numbers. Uh, but some of The persecution in the past for the the faith in Jesus was severe as well. But certainly in the modern age, we've seen more persecution, more people suffering for their faith, more people killed for their faith, more people imprisoned for their faith. But perhaps to kind of give you an idea of my view on this, I think since we're going to have a more in-depth conversation, I could just give you a little bit of a background on Open Doors and what we're all about, because it will frame... How I see this, because we started, as you said, six decades over—I guess 65 years ago—with a, a man who gave, who who really had a passion to reach what he called the other part of the world. He went to a Bible college in Scotland. His name was Brother Andrew. I'll talk more about that name in a second because it's it's interesting in and of itself. But he had a Brother Andrew had a passion to reach. Behind the Soviet Union, behind the Iron Curtain, into places that, like in Russia and elsewhere where the Stalinist uh, communist system was trying to push out faith. Now, when we know our history, we know that that was a significant thing. You had total control of the government, uh, the, the information systems, the KGB, all of this sort of thing working against Christians, making sure they didn't have Bibles. And Brother Andrew took on a fake name. His name wasn't Andrew. He he was a Dutchman, but he gave himself a code name, and he began to smuggle Bibles behind the Iron Curtain. That's how Open Doors began. So when you leap forward to today, and the statement that I made that now you see more persecution in the modern age than any other time in the modern age, Mm -hmm. the largest spike. What Open Doors is doing is we're still we are still fundamentally trying to get to and stand with those people who are persecuted for their faith. And that it's not the Soviet Union anymore, but Mm. it is all over Central Asia, into the Middle East, uh, into places like China and elsewhere, um, anywhere where you hear these kinds of stories. So what it gives us is a frontline view first-hand stories uh, to what's going on. And now that's the hard part. The good part is it gives us a relationship with people who are living their faith in in these really tough circumstances. And so you see how uh, that's affecting their life, how much it's giving them a sense of hope, how God is working in the midst of this. So one of the things you come up against whenever we as pastors start talking about the subject it's, it's, it seems intense, but and it is definitely intense, but alongside of the difficulty and the pain and the pressure and the resistance that's coming to, across faith, we always have to start out by saying, when you get in there and you see what's happening, there's a joy that comes with faith that is present in North Korea, just as it is in North Carolina
0: mm.
1: or in the northern, northern part of the UK. Wherever people are serving Jesus, wherever people lift up the name of Jesus, good things are happening.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. And, and, you know, we often, um, here, and when we look historically at the life of the church, we see that, um, you know, that, 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 governments have not, um, have not been able to kind of quell the power of God. You know, we understand that we, we see how, um, church has have, have sprung up even in the midst of, of persecution, which is, you know, stories coming out of, of that are encouraging and inspiring, um, in so many ways. David, let me ask you this, why why do we feel or not feel? Why do we know that, you know, persecution is increasing? Because I think a, a lot of people tend to think, just in the general world, tend to think, hey, um, things are are moving um, in a more positive direction. You know, when they think back historically to the persecution of Christians and, and they think of today, you know, I, I think there's this, this thought that, yes, there is persecution happening, but the reality that it's increased and even more so now today than in than other times. Why Why is that?
1: Well, what we have done is when is we built a network of people who are on the ground who are researchers who tabulate as best we possibly can mm-hmm. the number of incidents. So when I'm talking about this, we certainly don't know all that's going on but we have the most accurate grassroots numbers uh of anybody out there and we share them with governments and and elsewhere so what you're looking at is in ancient days you certainly had the roman empire i've been to many of the places where uh, uh, uh let's say modern day tunisia where uh the roman government executed people for for faith they didn't do it uh, uniformly, you know, it was just people who would be troublemaking and sort of, you know, preaching the gospel in such a way that it threatened them. So you had incidents of persecution in the past, and certainly those are very significant. But what you have now is you have large systems. There are se- there's several factors, but one of which is large government systems whereby there are, you know, 100 million believers let's say in china china now has the ability to with facial recognition and artificial intelligence monitor christians and keep a social score as what they would call it of of how good a a citizen these people are and it's tabulating information on christians and others as well Mm -hmm. but particularly on christians in a way that was not possible before likewise in India, you have 65 million Christians. Many, most really, are under tremendous pressure now for their faith because the government has a radical Hindu agenda. This is not news uh, really uh, to people who are reading about what's happening there. And they've Mm -hmm. been cracking down on Christians, arresting 700 pastors or more um, without trial Because they had church, uh, you know, uh, 300 attacks already between January and the end of May on churches by extremist Hindu groups. So just the sheer scale and the numbers Mm -hmm. of the people who are being persecuted for their faith, that doesn't even include North Korea. North Korea is number one on our list when we do our research for 18 years in a row. And people know enough about North Korea to know that— it's a backward system for everybody, but that within their scoring system, Christians are, are, are the number one enemy of the state, the worst of the worst. Now, why is that? Because you have a system that doesn't recognize uh, a communist system that doesn't recognize d- divinity. You also have a, a sort of a strange cult that has grown up around the family, which won't allow the worship of anything other than themselves. And so you begin to—you get this uh, control mixed with 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 the, the, the sort of thing that only a complete dictator can do, and you just have a tremendous amount of pressure on people of faith in North Korea. Now, some people don't think there are people of faith in North Korea, but there are. There are probably somewhere around 300,000, as many as half a million followers of Jesus in North Korea. So to your point— it does sometimes uh, uh, cause—persecution does cause the flourishing of the gospel. Uh, it certainly brings pressure. But when you compare it on sheer numbers and scale and everything, I certainly think this is the time uh, that, that has the most persecution to date.
0: Wow. Well, that's that's fascinating. So much of it is— um... You know, it comes down to the control of the government. You know what I mean? The the, the powers that be in a particular place and how they can put the pressure on and, you know, really take away some liberties of, of people because they're practicing Christ followers and, um, right. and I just mean, that, that power, that's, right?
1: Absolutely. That's one scenario. There's another scenario that our, uh, I like to call them drivers, the things that are pushing forward the persecution. One is the government, mm-hmm. uh, these government systems. Uh, the other would be radical ideologies, in particular uh, Muslim uh, Salafists or, uh, or these kinds of extremist jihadist groups that have proliferated. So when you see things like ISIS, right. well, ISIS is a it's it's a name of a group, and before that it was Al Qaeda. Al Qaeda still exists, but there this ideology, when one group you know sort of is. Destroyed or beaten or whatever, the ideology spreads to people who are also of a like theology, and this spread like a cancer from the Middle East, from uh, funded through Saudi Arabian uh, uh, dollars into Africa and Asia. It's everywhere. So we have a massive rise in persecution as far as sheer numbers because of, of this, the spread of – and that's not a government. Right. That's an ideology. It's, it's often rogue actors, individual groups of no more than a few thousand who go out and attack. You have an entire country, Nigeria right now, which has more people killed for their faith last year, almost 4,000 people that we can Count certainly more than that, but we know that there was at least uh, 3,700 Christians killed for their faith last year in the north of Nigeria. And it's not the government doing it, it's a, a, a rogue group associated with ISIS called Boko Haram. Mm-hmm. And they go into villages where Christians live and they attack and sometimes kill, slaughter, and destroy the entire village or all that they can find. So it's both the government, it's these rogue ideologies uh, and dictators. So there are a number of factors which are driving it, and uh, some of them are different from each other. They're not, they're not necessarily working in conjunction. But what you find is that it, the pressure on Christians is rising across the world.
0: That's fascinating. I'm curious, David, and will um, I take advantage of the fact that I'm having a conversation with you, and, and you're so um, obviously deeply engaged in. Ah, uh, persecution of Christ followers globally. Um, sometimes here in the U.S., um, we have people who get get very concerned about um, persecution happening in the U.S. and and they use that term, um, you know that that uh, Christ followers in in the U.S. are being persecuted. What what are your thoughts? Um, I guess, relatively speaking. Uh, as to what um some of those claims of persecution here in the u s are um in comparison to the persecution that we see globally, like are we I guess the question is are we <laughs> um when people claim that we're being persecuted in in the u s are are those claims i don't know valid um yeah, sure. or you know I mean I, that, that's that's a big I question, do, I <laughs> understand,
1: yeah so uh, since we're talking to church leaders here's what i I, i'll speak frankly and i hope your your listeners i'm sure they're smart people they're going to get this Mm -hmm. for pastors who who have that discussion on their uh, on the level of their congregation you will have people who who see what's going on in the united states and understand that there's a level of pressure that is arising it's what i would term aggressive secularism Mm -hmm. it's it's Uh, potentially the government changing rules on taxes and zoning, and it's certainly demonizing of values which we have held for a long time and making all of a sudden us look like we're the ones who are being intolerant and out of line. Okay, all of that sort of stuff is real and it exists. But pastors, you need to understand that when you dig into what's happening and anywhere on our list where we measure it, the top 50 countries and beyond, it's what's happening here is nothing compared to what's going on. And so there isn't a corollary mm. uh, that you can see. So that's my way of saying it's both real and it's not to be compared with North Korea or even China, some of these places where there's a concerted effort to monitor, track, punish, imprison people for their faith in Jesus. It may yet come to that, but certainly that's not the case today. What I think for us as Christian leaders, it does, is it should be a point of of demarcation. It's where we jump off to talk about and educate the body of Christ about what it means to have a theology of suffering, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Because when you look at the Old Testament, I think it helps us to understand it was written by persecuted believers. It was written by people who were in prison when they started the book and then they were also in prison when they left. So mm. we have this Western view of uh, of how we see things. We have been dominant in the culture and we have for many generations been seen as integral to part of the American story. Uh, and so... We've maybe drifted from this idea of counting the cost when you come to know your faith at a really true and deep level. I think this is a chance for us to begin that engagement again, start talking about what the scripture says about suffering and persecution, how that it is a certainty. I often tell people, there's only one open doors is in no way trying to stop persecution. And that's hard for people to get their mind around. Mm. But we know in scripture, it's not scriptural. The only way to stop persecution is if people in North Korea just decide, we're not going to talk about Jesus, and we don't treasure the Bible, let's stop passing that around. And in that case, the persecution would stop. But that's something we absolutely resist. Right. With all everything in our being, we will continue to talk about Jesus, we're going to continue to honor his word, and there will continue to be opposition for it because the scripture says that's what's going to happen. So then it just becomes, what are we called to do in Scripture? How, how do we respond to that? How do we see suffering? How does it shape our lives? I think this is where we as pastors and church leaders need to re-engage, not on an episodic basis, when you read something that happened to somebody in Sri Lanka for their faith or in the middle east but on a weekly basis understanding that intersecting with a body of christ our brothers and sisters in the faith who are suffering in some part of the world that god has sparked your imagination about it will help mature quickly the faith of your people when they understand they're part of that they're going to face resistance at a minimum skepticism In some scenarios around the world, great persecution and suffering and even death for their faith, guaranteed, unless they totally abdicate their responsibility as a follower of Jesus. So it's a really critical, central idea that when we're talking, when we're just creating the scenario throughout the year in our churches, and it's just topical and friendly and funny, and, and we get away from the actual part of the narrative of the gospel where it talks about the counting of the cost and the suffering of the church and how we're to gather together and to pray for and to care for people who are in prison for the name of jesus and understand that's a universal calling it's not for some and then not for others right. like some gifts are right. but it's for everybody then we begin to gauge, i think on a level that's really going to deepen and mature our, our faith and the faith of the people that
0: we teach yeah that, that's good david let me ask this how um for the pastors who are listening in right now? What, what are some practical steps that they can take to more deeply engage in, you know, being, you know, raising the awareness, but also action around uh, persecuted Christ followers globally? Um, I understand what you're saying as far as, you know, understanding our narrative and our story and, and how that all comes together. But what are some, you know, some practical things that you've seen churches doing that you've worked with um, that, that really kind of— helps people step uh, more deeply into uh, this need in in the world?
1: Well, I'm sympathetic to the challenges of pastors. My brother is a pastor. I uh, served as a pastor many years ago, Mm -hmm. so I understand the pressures, and every week you got to come up with something new uh, and something interesting to say and that sort of thing. But uh, what I recommend for pastors is that they begin to, to intersect with the stories. And be, get at least the beginning education on what's going on around the world. So what we do at Open Doors is, you know, un, you know, regardless of whether you recognize it as Open Doors, we have things available for pastors. That's why we produce our research. You can see where are the top fifty places uh, where persecution is. You can get down download stories, videos that you can use to help educate your people. We are motivated by the, the real-life stories of our brothers and sisters. I think the next step, then, is not to call people to give. It's to call them to pray, because that's part of that universal calling. Pray for, care for the people who are in chains for the name of Jesus. And so I think we, we provide l- ways that you can give prayer lists to your people. We have an app, Pray for the Persecuted. would love to see uh, we have certainly uh, tens of thousands of people who've downloaded it, but we'd love to see hundreds of thousands of people pray. For, and it's just prayer, urgent things that come up today, tomorrow, the next day. We don't bombard people with it. We never ask people for money. We just say, here's what's happened in in uh, Burkina Faso. Would you pray for these people? Here's uh, last week, or I think it was in the last 10 days. We got an update about these eight believers in Iran that were that were imprisoned, their houses searched, their names. So that you can pray for it. You can. We want to make it easy. Then there is, of course, there are projects within these areas which were greatly restricted to the expression of Christian faith. That once once people get educated and God stirred their heart, they may want to support. So there's all manner of things that you can do. But let me go back to the initial story Mm -hmm. about how Brother Andrew, when he started Open Doors, he went in to stand with people in a region where you could not have a Bible. You weren't allowed to be a follower of Jesus. At that time, it was the Soviet Union. Today, there may be as many as a half a million followers of Jesus, people who love Jesus in North Korea. If they're found with the Bible, they'll be thrown in prison many will likely die in labor camp. So let's look at it from that perspective then. Pastors get educated on what's happening in North Korea. Pastors begin to, let's talk about it. Let's have people pray about it. There are resources, videos, stories, information to kind of bring it alive. And then if people want to do something about it, there are ways to do it. So I think we we certainly... Um, that's what we want to do in all the areas where people are are suffering for their faith. We're there, standing with them, working with them, helping to build the kingdom in these areas. And pastors who get motivated, encouraged, and led by the Spirit to do it. Let's. There's things that they can do practically as well.
0: That's that's fantastic. I remember when I first got a copy of God Smuggler, um, the the book by Brother Andrew, kind of talks about Brother Andrew's story, and. Um, I was a young pastor at the time, and I remember reading through that, and honestly, being v- very intrigued. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing story, but then also really kind of almost surprised at how how little I knew uh, and how kind of almost sheltered I was as a young pastor um, when it came to uh, what was going on globally in, in the church. And you know, you hear, like you said, you hear little s- stories here and there. But, you know, as I was preparing for pastoral ministry, much of my preparation had to do with, you know, how how do you pastor and lead a, a local church in the U.S.? And right. there wasn't a lot of discussion about um, other than, you know, missionary work and, and praying for those around the world and just kind of that general sense. There wasn't like really, um, you know, kind of the gritty um, understanding of what was going on. And then I was um, introduced through that. Um, over the years, I was introduced to um, the International um, Day of of Prayer for the Persecuted Church, and um, just some of those resources, and you know, really putting that in front of our people and 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 beginning to have that conversation, and some of those videos, as, as you said, that you guys have, and and um, beginning to really help tell that story. Um, what have you seen um, through through your ministry? Over the last six decades or so, like what, what have you seen as far as movement from maybe the, uh, the Western church and their understanding and greater awareness of what's going on globally um, that has really um, ha- had impact and maybe even kind of giving, giving hope for, you know, the global church locking arms and praying for one another, encouraging one another across um, all different boundaries?
1: Well, where, when it happens, it's a thing of beauty. Uh, the, the the connection that we have with people who come from an entirely different background, who have entirely different kinds of pressures. I was with a believer last uh, week who had escaped from North Korea, came to know Jesus through some covert work that was done there, mm. and the Bible, and, and began to be taught the scripture. I mean... You'd think, because of his upbringing, the backward country in which he was to live. Uh, I grew up in Seattle, had was free to go to church. When it, what would we have in common? The answer is, we yeah. have Jesus in common, and actually, that's so much. Mm. It's like having that another newfound brother mm. when you start talking to this All person. Right. So when that happens on the on the level of the church, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. The reality is that the church in the west is asleep by and large on this subject so as soon as i say there's a lot of beautiful things that happen i have to provide the caveat that by and large pastors don't know what's going on therefore churches don't know what's going on the people aren't intersecting with this they don't understand that this isn't the rarity being persecuted it's 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 happening to you know over 250 million Christians who are living in some area where it's not—they're not free to have a Bible, or they can't express their faith openly, and they can't go to church. Uh, maybe some of them have come to know Jesus, but they—they can't change the registration in their country to be a follower of Jesus. So therefore, they have to, you know, hide. They can't come out as a Christian, so to speak. Uh, this is happening. It's happening, it's not rare. There are more of them than there are of us. And and um, we have to understand that this is what's going on in the world and we need to wake up to it. And that, I, I know that that's a challenging word for a lot of pastors who already have a lot on their agenda. That's why I rooted in this idea this is a scriptural thing. Um, and it doesn't have to be all bad news. It can be a part of the lesson of the gospel. And uh, it just needs to be something we just need to begin to drop into the discussion on a a regular basis so that people begin to be motivated by it. And it is motivating. It's exciting. It's interesting uh, to see what God is doing in North Korea, in Somalia, in the Middle East, everywhere. I promise you, every single place where Jesus is lifted up, he does very, very well. Mm. Very well. And he is doing good work. That's not to say that the churches itself is flourishing everywhere because sometimes when persecution happens, the church shrivels and dies when it's disconnected, when it's not rooted in the word, when inter- there's a lot of interfighting, uh, the church scatters. That does happen. But there are other places where the church gets stronger and flourishes. And uh, But everywhere Jesus is talked about, he does very well.
0: Yeah. Uh, David, talk to us just a little bit about – I know that Open Doors um, – creates some, uh, has some resources. You talked a bit about, um, the app and, um, some of those praying resources. Talk to us a little bit about, um, a church who's looking to help tell this story that, you know, the, the pastor's learning more and more about it, uh, but they're looking for help to tell this story, I guess. Um, what are some of the resources that, that you provide, um, and make available to a local church to help tell this story?
1: Well, one of the things we do is we have uh, small group packages that you can personalize for your church. Again, it doesn't have to be stamped with open doors all over it. You can really personalize it to what you're doing. To have small groups go through a six-week lesson on what's going on in the world. We have video lessons and and uh, where we walk through the book of Job and try to understand it from the view of the modern day persecuted believer. It's very helpful stuff. So there are all manner of things for pastors, uh, outlines, sermon outlines, illustrations, and videos that you can help bring to life uh, what's going on around the world. We want to help make pastors the expert in their local area. Uh, and and to do that, we we just provide any number of things where you can intersect, download it, doesn't cost anything, use it, share it, pass it on. The idea is to lift up the name of Jesus always and to stand with our brothers and sisters in persecution wherever they may be, whether that's North Korea, in North Vietnam, or or
0: any place else. Excellent, excellent. And where can we find those resources? Go to Open Doors USA
1: org in other countries. The UK we have an open doors site as well. Uh in, in Canada as well. And we have those resources available to anybody who would like them. It's opendoorsusa.org. A lot of it you can just download and uh, and use and copy. We're, we're happy to pass that on. And, of course, our prayer app is Pray for the Persecuted. It's just prayer requests for people who you work with every day. They can just get updates, and you begin to find they're maturing and being motivated and sharing and intersecting with the persecuted uh, outside of the Sunday morning experience, which I think is always terrific for our pastors that are trying to grow and mature their congregation.
0: Yes, excellent, excellent. We will have links to to those resources um, and to those sites on our show notes for this episode. So if you want to check that out, you can find that as well. Uh, David, any final thoughts that you might want to share? Maybe something that we haven't touched upon, but as, as you have the ears of um, your colleagues, pastors and ministry leaders, um, and anything else that you'd like to, uh, to share with them before we close?
1: Well, uh, just, just to encourage them, this is where it's at. This is where the big uh, uh, action is. And I encourage you as leaders To lead, to get out front on this issue, we're going to see more persecution, but we're also going to see a greater response to the Gospel than we've ever seen before. If we are united, if we stay rooted in Scripture, and if we reach out and are obedient to care and to pray for those in chains and suffering for the name of Jesus. So, I think it's a good time to be a leader, it's a tough time to be a leader, but I'm, I'm encouraging uh, all of you to, uh, to jump in uh, with both feet.
0: Amen, amen. Thank you, David. I certainly appreciate all the work that you and your entire team at Open Doors is doing on behalf of persecuted Christ followers around the world. Continuing to pray for you. Um, excited to have you with us and to, to share and uh, just to encourage us in, in how we can get more engaged and, uh, in the life of the church globally. Um, and our brothers and sisters uh, around the world. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us.
1: Well, thank you, Jason. Appreciate it.
0: I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast. And if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available on For both Apple and Android. And so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day, encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.